Hello, I'm Nat Moss, and this is the WCS Wild Audio Podcast, where you'll find reported audio stories covering the latest news and newsmakers from the Wildlife Conservation Society's field sites, zoos, and aquarium, and their conservation partners. Got a great show today, so let's get to it. Nestled behind a facade of imposing buildings at the heart of the University of Cambridge sits the David Attenborough Building, a custom-built structure of glass and light boasting a living wall that rises through the center of the office. This is the home of the Cambridge Conservation Initiative, or CCI, an innovative approach to conservation bringing together 11 leading conservation NGOs and world-class researchers in one creative hub. Its mission? To change how we approach science-based conservation models. Hannah Kaplan spoke to Executive Director of CCI, Dr. Mike Monder, to learn more. Dr. Monder sees the purpose of CCI, united under one strategic plan, as a critical one. How can we do more together than we could as individuals? What we're looking at is is reversing the flow. How do we take this extraordinary concentration of institutions, knowledge, history, and rather than the traditional sort of flow into Cambridge, what is the flow out? How do we best work with our peers across the world? The original idea for CCI started informally an aggregation of Cambridge-based conservation groups that originally got together in a local pub to discuss how to better collaborate. But with donor funding, it soon grew into something more formal, finding a home at one of the world's leading academic institutions. The partnership is composed of the University of Cambridge, IUCN, Fauna and Flora International, BirdLife International, British Trust for Ornithology, the Cambridge Conservation Forum, RSPB, Traffic, the Tropical Biology Association, UNEP, and WCS. These groups work closely together to share approaches and innovate. You can orchestrate some of this, but a large part of it is organic. And the idea is that the boundaries disappear and that people are are able to develop new ideas, new approaches, exchange information, uh, share resources. We have a strategic plan. We, We have a set of ambitions. But actually, some of the best ideas have come out of random conversations and someone mentioning a project over coffee and then making a link to theirs. And then perhaps from there, it's developed as a collaborative fund project uh, with three or four partners. And some of these have gone on to be um, developed and applied as, as global tools. In addition to the value brought by these informal links, CCI's strategic plan is focused on four main areas of conservation work. So we look at how to stop the collapse of biodiversity in parallel with the collapse of climate. We have a very strong emphasis on restoration of nature, and that includes seascapes as well as landscapes. We then have a third area where we're looking at influencing systemic change. How do we work with business? How do we work with governments? How do we work with the international agreements? And our fourth one is capacity building to help the next generation of conservationists. That, I think, is the brilliance of the group. We can take a topic from research, take it all the way through interpretation and application of that research with training and and then to the field. The flow of ideas from research to programmatic work is designed to be an organic one that seeks to create unique collaborations. For example, the CCI Collaborative Fund connects three to four groups to work on a specific project with a deliverable product, like a report or data mapping. This might mean a collaborative fund project sees climatologists paired with climate policy specialists to produce a work which will ultimately reach decision makers or potential funders. 
we've got groups doing cutting edge stuff on a load of topics, particularly forests and carbon. There's a very strong research group there. And of course, that then links to, to the work of virtually all the other 10 partners. There was a great study called Swimways, which set up the format for mapping the world's migratory fish corridors. And that's gone on now to an independent life, but set the scene for these extraordinary fish migrations that don't get seen and therefore don't get valued. One of the other ones that's just actually started in the last month is looking at the supply chains regarding chocolate and palm oil in West Africa. Others have looked at global trade in songbirds. Others have looked at the role of forests in cooling cities. It's quite an impressive range of, of topics. From the inception to research study, many of these projects take on a life of their own. CCI's biggest collaborative flagship project, the Endangered Landscape Programme, is currently delivering four and a half million hectares of restoration across a number of Eurasian countries. From the Mediterranean up through to the boreal north, uh, from the Atlantic forests at the west through to the arid steppes of Georgia. So that's practical restoration driven by reinstating ecosystem services with a biodiversity focus. So we are putting species back that have been lost to those landscapes. Those projects are run and owned by their local partners. Uh, we don't run and own them. We support them. We work with them on monitoring and, and access to research and science that they need. So we're working with organisations to build them for the next 50 to 100 years. And that is already spilling into research projects in the home countries for these projects. It's already beginning to influence policy, just like a watershed. The ramifications are infinite. Dr. Maunder is encouraged by the momentum of these initiatives, but warns that in scaling up global conservation efforts, we need to be mindful of the role that communities play in this work and the opportunities this offers. What we've learnt and tested over the last 20, 30, perhaps even 40 years now needs to be accelerated and expanded at scale. There's a tendency in all conservation groups when the map gets bigger, the people get smaller, and you, you've got to fight that. We keep it as a humanity, as, as a topic that engages people, works with people, strengthens people, and recognises people. So when you go on those big scales, it's easy for people to disappear. But every acre of land we work with is someone else's land, and that always has to be in the, in the front of our brain. So where is that, that new synthesis that recognises and cherishes local and traditional knowledge? I think there's going to be some extraordinarily brilliant individuals coming out of that, doing amazing stuff with their own communities, but with this blend of heritage and new science. And those groups working with researchers and developing their own researchers, that's where we're going to see really wonderful stuff. Reflecting on the future of global conservation efforts, Dr. Maunder is hopeful. He feels that groups like CCI are perfectly positioned to use the insights, research, and on-the-ground experience to see real, significant change. I've tried pessimism. It doesn't work. What I keep telling um, a lot of the early career folk is this is your time, and you should revel in it. This is the time when you are going to give your best to the planet. I think, like so many people I know in this business, we are on an emotional roller coaster. But I think on the whole, we have to be optimistic, not blindly, sloppily optimistic, but we've got to be confident that um, we can and will make a difference. This is the time for us. We've been practicing for the last hundred years. Now is the time, and we can't afford to get it wrong. For WCS Wild Audio, I'm Hannah Kaplan. 
Today's episode was produced and reported by Hannah Kaplan with help from Dan Rosen and Nat Moss. The WCS Wild Audio Podcast is a production of the Wildlife Conservation Society. Please join us next week for a new episode, and don't forget to rate or review the show wherever you get your podcasts.